0: Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports, brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. For Inside Carolina, this is Taylor Vipolis, and new this football season, I'll be hosting my own show released weekly on Tuesdays, talking about Carolina football. I'll have some solo segments, take questions from fans, have former players on, Just trying something new here and hope you enjoyed the end product. So I was out this past week on vacation and missed the news of Cade Fortin transferring. So I just wanted to talk about that first. My first thought is no, I wouldn't be panicking right now if I was a UNC fan. And that's because it's unrealistic to think you could have three quarterbacks separated by just two classes who can all be power five starters right now on the same team. And that's what Carolina had with Cade Fortin, Jace Ruder, and Sam Howe. So to me, it doesn't come as a shock that one of them was going to leave. And I even mentioned in my season preview article that it very well could happen before the season started. The timing of the move is so now Fortin will miss this year as a sit-out year and then be eligible for whatever school he transfers to next year. The bottom line is Cade Fortin made a business decision. Transfers are a part of the game, so you can't criticize Cade Fortin for doing something he sees best for himself while at the same time praising players who transfer to UNC like Kyler McMichael from Clemson and like Bryce Watts from Virginia Tech. And at the same time, if you complain about Fortin leaving, are you also complaining about when Carolina tells players to find somewhere else to play? It's, it's just, in my opinion, it's a tough two-way street where as much as some fans and coaches don't like to hear it, the NCAA is still a business at the end of the day. There's sound from Coach Longo and his press conference from Monday where he mentioned he didn't think the portal was a good idea. The transfer portal was a good idea. So I'm going to play that now. This is my opportunity to say that I think the portal is not a great thing for college football, um, but that, that's just the atmosphere that we have right now, and, and, and guys have an opportunity a little bit easier now than it was before to leave. My question for him would be, how is Fortin leaving for a better situation in his mind any different than if a better opportunity opened up elsewhere for Longo when it comes to coaching? It's not even like Longo would have to sit out a year if he took a new job like Fortin has to, or the fact that one is being paid and the other isn't. As a former player, I know my line of thinking might be more biased, but I'm all for giving more power to the players. I'm not saying every year should be free agency and you know this just absolute, complete chaos, but I do think there should be more control from the players deciding their futures and what's best for them in the long term. But back to Cade Fortin, I think the biggest thing for fans to realize is they have to remember, for as much as they love the Tar Heels, a majority of these players, and you'll hear in the interview later that this was an exception for Marquise Williams, a majority of these players, they don't grow up dreaming to play football at North Carolina. They dream about playing on Sundays and playing in the NFL. And because of that dream, they then will take the steps they see necessary to achieve that. And I'm not sure if Cade Fortin will make it to the NFL one day. I, I, I don't know. I think he has a lot of potential. I think there's a path for him to one day play in the NFL or make an NFL roster. But we just haven't seen that yet and haven't been able to decide that yet. But I do think he has a better chance displaying his talent somewhere he can start. And he clearly didn't feel like that was going to be for the Tar Heels. For a lot of players, playing football is it's a part of our identity. And it's something we know in the back of our minds that those days are pretty pretty limited. If you're thinking about, you know, how Cade Fortin's teammates are feeling, they're they're most likely just sad to lose him in the locker room because for as cliche as it is, those guys in the locker room, you're around them all the time. They do become like a family, like like your brothers. But at the same time, I would bet all those players fully support his decision and understand where he's coming from, wanting to go elsewhere and play. Because at the end of the day, that's that's what you want for your family. You want the best for them. You want to see them succeed and try to reach their goals and and their dreams. So I can understand where he's coming from. I understand, you know, he wanted to be a tar heel and he wanted it to work out. Because by all reports, you know, Cade Fortin is a great is a great guy. He comes from a great family. He competed every day at UNC to the best of his abilities. I respect his choice and just wish him the best of luck wherever he lands. And you know, I hope he finds hope he finds what he's really looking for. And I hope he he lands on a team where he can start and he can show off his talent and why he why he deserves to be a power five starter. But at the same time, if you're a Carolina fan, you can be up you could be upset that Fortin left. But at the same time, you have to remember. Carolina still has two really good options at quarterback and Sam Howell and Jace Reuter. And uh, here's Mac Brown on how he's going to try to work both quarterbacks into the game plan. No, we would like to play them both uh, for, for a couple of reasons. Um, last year, Larry had um, three that were knocked out of games. So you got to have another guy ready. Um, so we always would like to play two. Uh, then you got to figure out how, and we're not there yet. When do you put them in, and, um, and and does it disrupt your team, and what does it take away from Sam? But with both of them being so young, uh, we feel like this year we're going to need both of them to play. Now, Howell will start on Saturday against South Carolina, but I don't think it's a question of if we'll see Jace Reuter, but when. In In my opinion, it's a combination of Howell's and experience and Reuter being too dynamic a run threat to be completely left off the field and off the game plan. And he'll be a good change of pace for, for South Carolina. Maybe maybe they're not expecting him to contribute that much and just having him in there running some RPOs, letting him use his legs to the best of his ability. I think it will be good for both Sam Howell and Jace Ruder to kind of take expectations off um, Howell, so they're not crazy high in his first game starting as a true freshman. And I think Ruder could be a guy who can you know supplement him and uh, change the way Carolina is looking out there. But speaking of quarterbacks, we have a great Marquise Williams interview coming up. But first, I wanted to remind you all about Johnny T-Shirt, located in downtown Chapel Hill. They've been a Franklin Street tradition since 1983. Family and alumni owned and operated, they have you covered with football jerseys, T-shirts, hats, sideline gear, tailgating supplies, basically whatever you need Carolina-wise, they've got you covered. If you can't make it to Chapel Hill, you could shop online at johnnytshirt.com. And don't forget, inside Carolina subscribers get an exclusive 10% discount on everything they sell. That's JohnnyTshirt.com or Johnny T-shirt on Franklin Street. All right, here's the Quise interview. So, joining me now on the podcast, we have former UNC quarterback, one of the most successful seasons in UNC history, uh, an absolute fan favorite, Marquise Williams. Marquise, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I can't complain. It's it's always a pleasure talking to you. You know that.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Likewise.
0: So first off, the fans kind of want to know, you know, what have you been up to? What's going on in Marquise Williams' life uh, since UNC? And what are you up to this year?
1: Well, um, since being at Carolina, um, you know, just been continuing a football journey. Um, just Also helping out other kids of trying to reach the, we reached their dreams that, you know, I, I've had and I still have. And just been grinding and playing football leagues and just having fun doing that. And that's about it. Just staying maintained and staying old, same happy Marquis, you know, the time they knew me from UNC until now. Nothing's changed.
0: <laughs> have you had the time to kind of look back and reflect on what you and the team were able to accomplish in 2015?
1: Oh yeah, reflect about a lot. Um, I actually just text Quinshaw and Jeff. I think last, well, Friday on my way to Charlotte. You know, the friendship that we have is was was something that would never be taken away. And you know, we always get back to how 2015 team was, and to be a part of that special unit was was fantastic for all of us. And you know, that's like I said, that's something we'll never forget. It's only been done twice, and we was the second team to do it. And, it's been a heck of a ride it was a heck of a ride for us
0: there's a lot to choose from but what would you say was the most memorable moment you had during the 2015 season
1: um i would say i don't see i just can't go with one i'm gonna have to go with uh just two actually it's probably the georgia tech game we were down 21 to zero and the virginia tech game i mean those games were just like just something that that meant so much for the program to have big, big, you know, big meanings behind it. For us to be the first kid, team in school history to come down down 21 and still win the game was special to us. And man, I tell you, it was it was fun. And that, like I said, that Virginia Tech game, we was up a lot, and those guys made a rally. By my turnovers, I had that was on me, and <laughs> they made a rally. But like I say, when shot, you know. When we got to third and goal, and Quinshad looked at me and said, "Man, get me the ball. I'm gonna make a play." Only thing I did was just threw him the ball, and Quinshad did the rest. And that's what I love about that team, man. We we fought through so much adversity. We just all came together, and it was it was a special unit for us.
0: One moment that I'm surprised you didn't go with that Duke game. What was that Duke game like for you? Where no matter what play was called, no matter. Where you went with the ball, it felt like it was ending up with a touchdown.
1: Man, it was it was honestly. I have to just go with the play calling. Um, that was Coach Heckendorf and uh, Latrell. Those guys did all that, man. And we was just running. We was just on a note that we couldn't be stopped that day. It doesn't matter who we were playing. Uh, we was just on the road. That man, we was gonna get the job done, and we did. And like I say, man, it's like I say, it was just. Everything was just falling in place for us that day. I mean, Elijah Hood was doing great. T.J. Logan was doing good. I mean, those guys came out, and they battled, and we battled, and we just we came out on top because, you know, we had a big statement. We wanted that bell back in Chapel Hill, and that was our goal that whole week. And we had a great week of practice to lead up to that, to that moment. And we hit on all Senators that week. That was probably one of the best weeks we had there and we couldn't be stopped. So I would say, man, that that game was very – that was one of the biggest games for us also.
0: What about the Miami game? Miami, just from having played them, you know they're always going to talk smack. And when they came to Chapel Hill, that was another game where it seemed like no matter what you guys did on the field, like you were just going to put up points against them. And then I think that the gif of you throwing down the U is maybe one of the most used gifs in – unc football twitter
1: man it it was it was a special one man i i would i can say that uh my whole family are hurricane fans and, <laughs> you know i heard it all week that we wasn't gonna win and they was gonna they was gonna ruin my senior day and hearing it from two weeks before we have to play them was was like crazy but we was on like I say we was on all cylinders. the first two drives were kind of like shaky Um, We were stalled out, went uh, three and out, three and out. And we just found it, found a way to start to get it going and get it moving. We started running the football well, and we couldn't be beat after that. And we just kept going, and we knew that we had something bigger than getting past this Miami game. We wanted to go to the AC Championship, and they were in the way, and whoever was in our way, we was going to make them pay for that.
0: When you threw the U down, did you know it was going to be (laughs) – a moment that kind of lasted forever with unc twitter <laughs> yes i did and it, it lasted <laughs> since my family
1: too i mean that was the best moment i could say man and that that's what i love and i that's what i loved and that's what i did at the heat of the moment you know with them talking junk to us you know that's the miami they're gonna the U's gonna talk junk and i felt like it was it was necessary to do it and then come back and Ron Switzer do it I felt great I felt even better because I knew that if two people would do it they I wouldn't get in trouble by myself but I was gonna get in trouble with Ron Switzer and why not get in trouble with Ron Ron Switzer
0: (laughs) uh moving to the next question heels 0509 from inside Carolina wants to know in your opinion what was the key to the 2015 successful season and why do you think Carolina has struggled since you guys
1: well man, honestly, um we were together four to five years. Um I was just I just finished telling this high school team about this team. Um, I think we held each other accountable and we never left each other alone. What I mean by that, um I heard Ray Lewis say a speech when I was coming up when I was playing UNC, he said, We just always was together. You know, one if you see one of us You saw all of us, and that stuck with me, and I said that in training camp the week we was about to play South Carolina, and I told the guys, you know, this is the closest I've been since I had, like, since my family. Um, Like you say, if you saw Mitch, you saw Switzer or Mac, or if you saw me, you would see TJ or you would see Switzer or you saw Mac. It doesn't matter. We were always together, and we was going to shine together, and we was going to have adversity together. And I think – with so much adversity we went through, we just always knew how how to, like, overcome it and to go out and fight. And fight for not for that your name, but fight for what that, that interlocking NC means. And that, that goes a long way, man. That goes a long way. And I think for that team to get back like that, that's what it's going to take, to have that leadership and to have the guys fighting for each other and just being there for one another. And just going out and leaving it out on the line. And like you say, not just fighting for what's on the back of your jersey, but what's on the front. You know, a lot of, like, like of people say, names on the back of your jersey, names on back of jerseys always changes, but the names on the front never does. It never will change. And that's the big thing for us. We wanted to do something different. We wanted to make it a special year for us seniors, but just for the underclassmen. We were going to, we were going to try our best. To go to a national championship, and that was a goal. We came up short. We got to the ACC championship, came up short. But our goal was was the bigger picture than than ourselves playing the game.
0: For you, what's it like now being such a fan favorite and coming back to Chapel Hill and coming back to Keenan Stadium?
1: Man, it's 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 like a dream come true. I remember watching my my cousin Robert Williamson. Uh, Dre Bly back in the '90s. So um, I used to go to games and I used to tell myself, growing watching them guys play, I'm going to play in this. I'm going to play in this stadium and I'm going to tear it up like these guys did. And when I was getting heavily recruited coming out of high school, you know, North Carolina was doing good. They just started getting back on the big page with Butch Davis. Um, Butch Davis class when we came in 2011 was very strong. So Unfortunately, when I got there, Butch Davis was gone. You know, he had to go and. It was like a lot of people was telling me, are you going to leave? Because there won't be another. Carolina won't be the same again. And that stuck to me. I said, I'm going to prove you guys wrong because I've been proving people wrong all my life. People said I would never be a high school quarterback. I started that. People said I would never go to college. and I would never play college football. And I did that. So I said, I'm going to go change this university to a football school for so people to quit talking about the basketball team. You know, I like the basketball team. I love it. I'm going use Huge UNC basketball fan, but I, I wanted them to stop saying it's that's a basketball school. So that was my mentality. I was going to come in and I was going to try my best to change it into a power power five, power five the way we are team. And that's what it was, man. I had a different mindset, and just to have that and to do all that and to come back and know that the fans are still still love me is is just like man, what I always dreamed of. Um, like I say, I. I keep asking myself, how many years you think will people forget about me? And I never forget when Draybaugh said, man, I don't think nobody will ever forget about who you are. And that's what's special to me, man, because like I grew up in the state of North Carolina and I always wanted to play for it. And I always wanted to put that blue on. And that was the biggest thing. Like I say, it was bigger than me. It was, it was for the state of North Carolina.
0: You met Mac Brown this past spring. What was that conversation like? And What do you think about him returning to be the head coach for the Tarios? Oh, Matt,
1: it's it's one of the best coaches I ever got to, like, just talk to. Just know the game and know the why's and what's the reasons. And what's the reason? He wanted to know what was the reason we didn't get this. Or how do you feel about if we got these for the guys? And how can we get you guys back into, into Chapel Hill? You know, like I say, he wasn't worried about the football team. He wanted to know how could he get me, Nazir Jones or Matt Collins or Eric Ebron or Giovanni Bernard or Robert Quinn. Like those guys, that guys that were suspended that couldn't come back to UNC can actually come back now. And that's the thing. He's a family guy. He wanted to know everything, every single thing about getting the guys back together, you know. And that's what I love about him is you can tell that. He loved Chapel Hill and he did, he didn't want to leave, but he left and he's back. And this is what's going to be so good about him. He's, he's a coach that just, he's, he could treat, critique about everything. And that's what I love. I think I love how he don't want the guys are wearing a lot of bands and stuff on their legs. And he just wants guys to play football. And that's what I love about a coach that just wants you to play football and stop trying to look all. Fancy or, you know, too flashy on the field, and just go out and play football. And just talking to him, man, my biggest, like I said, my biggest thing was taken from him was he just, he's a family guy. He's a family guy. He's an outgoing guy. And like to say, me, Nazir, and Jeff, we just talked for him for about two hours in his office. He had a meeting, he canceled his meeting just to stay and talk with me and Nazir and Jeff. And for a man to do that, and it was an important meeting because it was a booster meeting, you know, that shows a lot of respect that he has for. The former guys that played there, and what he wants to do to change it to get it back to how it was.
0: UNC Vikings one two three from inside Carolina asks: As a Charlotte native, what are your thoughts on Sam Howell? Have you ever met him or spoke with him?
1: (laughs) Have I met Sam? I can I can show you a couple pictures when when Sam was just a little boy coming up to Carolina, and when he was playing at um, Sun Valley. I watched this guy play for. From freshman year, sophomore year at Sun Valley to, to the time he's there now. Um, I'm excited for him. He's um well another reason why I'm excited because he's from Charlotte, so that's a big thing. Um, nothing against the other guys, but he's a Charlotte guy, so it just goes a long way. You always have to pull for your home where you play ball at, and I'm I'm extremely excited for him, man. He's he's worked hard. I hear great stories about him all the time. The guys tell me he's in and out of the freaking. He's in and out of the film room. He's in the film room from countless hours. He's on the field working out for countless hours. and I mean, that's the type of guy we want on the team. That's the type of leader you would want. And he can spin the ball. He can do whatever he needs to do for us to be successful. And he's going to do that. And um, I'm a st- I'm extremely happy for him. And I know his family's happy. And he's going to do good, good things.
0: What advice would you give to Sam who will be starting Saturday as a true freshman?
1: Don't put too much pressure on yourself. Just go out and have fun and play play football. Play backyard football like you have been doing, doing all your life. The stage is already set. That's not going to change. But what can change is you just go out and have fun. Don't try to do more than what's in the game plan. You know, um, there's going to there's be guys going to be wanting to see you pass for maybe 300. You maybe pass for 112 yards and a touchdown. The biggest thing is if you get that win, that's what they're going to remember. That freshman won that game, you know. You know, it's always the quarterback. The quarterback wins, wins. The quarterback loses, loses. But my thing, I can say, just go out and have fun. Like you've been doing when he's at Southern Valley, and that's what I've been telling them, man. It's, the sky's the limit for that young man. He works hard, and it's all paying off. And he's going to do great. He's going to do great. And when he was coming in, when he committed to us, that was one of the happiest days of my life to know that another Charlotte guy is going there and he didn't go out of state. And what I mean by that's it, big, you know, I I always got tired of big-time names going out going out of state to play somewhere else and not doing it for, for, doing it for your state. You know, you look at big-time guys like um, Vince Young, he stayed in state, won the highs and won the championship. You know, he stayed in Texas, you know, and I look at some big-time guys that left out that should have been playing at UNC, hurts me, but I'm glad Sam Howell decided to come there, and he's now getting an opportunity to start against the South Carolina Game Cops this Saturday.
0: As somebody who you were a backup to Bryn Renner when you first got to UNC, so mm-hmm. on the other end of that, what advice would you give to a guy like Jace Reuter who by all reports the quarterback battle was really close, but he didn't mm-hmm. win the starting job out of camp, and he's now in that backup role? Hey, stay at it.
1: My thing, I
0: would give him – Continue to practice like you are the ones because, like
1: Fedor always told me, you never know when your time is going to be up. You never know when your number's coming, and you always have to prepare like you're the number one. You take the two reps like it's the first team reps, and when your, when your turn come, turn comes, you turn the light switch on and you get ready to ball out because God gave you that time and it's coming. And just stick at it. I know it's probably stressful that this guy came in and he won the job, but. The biggest thing is, man, just still be that teammate that you are as far as, you know, keeping each other accountable, cheering guys on, and being that guy that, you know, a lot of people that would think that you wouldn't want to be, you know, be something different than where everybody expects you to be because you didn't win that job.
0: As a quarterback, how much more difficult is it, game one, going against an SEC defense like South Carolina? versus a team like Elon or Liberty where it's almost like using the NFL as an example, almost like a preseason game where you're kind of easing into the ACC schedule.
1: Well, honestly, man, I I didn't ever look at it like that. Man, you never know. We played Elon that one year. They, they actually, we actually was struggling with them until like the third quarter we actually took off. So I, I, I wouldn't say how different it is! I say, you know, like you said, it's an SEC team. You know, SEC. They they say the SEC is football. It's like different. It's like more NFL type. Um, honestly, I could just say, man, just, just go out like it's a, a a game a game. If you're playing the Sisters of the Blinds, or if you're playing um freaking Creek High School, every game is the same to me. You know what I'm saying? And you have to go out and you have to play. Every day. It doesn't matter what the team is, who the team is, who the coach is, man. That's the big thing. South Carolina is a rival to us because, you know, it's always talk about North Carolina versus South Carolina. Yes, that's the big picture, but there's just another game on our schedule and we just gotta go out and execute. Sam just gotta go out and just have fun and you know protect the football and we'll win the game.
0: Question from Baden Hill from Inside Carolina. You would recognize this guy if you saw him. His name's Eddie. He was always at our practices. What are the advantages and disadvantages as a quarterback playing in an up-tempo offense? Because Fedora had the up-tempo style. Phil Longo, as mm-hmm. the offensive coordinator, he's still going to be playing an up-tempo style with the air raid. So what are kind of the the pros and cons of being a quarterback in up-tempo? I
1: think, the, the uh, well, for, I think for the quarterback is, it's getting everybody going. You have to get everybody going. How fast? The coach wants it to go fast, but if the quarterback is not pushing his receivers to get set and all line to get set to go fast, they're not going to go fast. And that's what we practice every day of practice. We had a day that, that was just tempo, 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 tempo. If we missed a pass, we still had to restart and tempo, tempo, tempo. And that was the biggest thing. And then the second, I think, the hardest thing is is just, um, I would say for the O line, those guys have to get in shape, and they have to run, run, run. And we ran, 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 ran. And sometimes, you know, you might have a lot of penalties trying to do something so fast. You know, somebody might might not be set, or somebody might not be on the line of scrimmage right. It's just always pros and cons to it. But you know, the the bigger hand is you gas people fast. I never, I knew we gassed Miami so fast. My senior year, it was crazy. They were never set. We gas Duke. They were never set. The teams that we were just rolling, those guys couldn't deal with our tempo. And we could run the ball. We could throw an outside screen. We could throw a bubble. Get right back on the ball and do it again. And you could tell teams hated going against us when we were doing it.
0: Now, this is more of a, a football game planning question, more of an X's and O's question from O'Heal 79 from Inside Carolina. He says – in an in an RPO, what are you looking for pre snap, and how are you deciding? Uh, are you gonna are you gonna give it, or are you gonna look for the pass? Um, so okay. how are you going kind of break that down as a quarterback? Oh,
1: well, I can go. Okay, I'm pretty sure simple football. A lot of guys know about a three by one. That means there will be three receivers to one side and one receiver to another side. So let me say a RPO. This is how we would do it. We would put three guys to the left, and we'll put Side to the right. If that free safety inserts and tries to get the stretch play, the stretch play is giving an outside zone read to TJ, to TJ Logan. If that safety slows down and he bites on the run, I'm going to throw a bang post right behind him. So that's an RPO. I'm going to throw that RPO right behind him because that's too many guys in the box. I, I'm not – I can't cannot. if he jumps in the box, He's gonna get. The, he's gonna be the guy that's unaccountable, and he's gonna take away for the run. So if he stays, if we go three by one and he stays high, and I found, and he stays high, and he never inserts. I give the ball because we got him outnumbered and we're reaching, reaching away from him, and that that's the easiest way I can explain it to him. <laughs> he asked
0: another question as well. Who was the hardest defense that you went up against, and why? And then who was the easiest defense you went up against, and why? Virginia Tech.
1: Oh my gosh, Buzz Foster is one of the best. A lot of guys would probably say it's Clemson, but I think me, myself was I think I'd heard of at Clemson. But Virginia Tech, it's like they had an answer for everything. Bud Foster had a defense ready and that's just every year we see in him. We don't see Clemson like that, but we see Bud Foster every year. And that's probably one of the hardest defense because he throws so much at you. You study a lot of film when they recent games and he'll come out and Give you a whole new game plan, and that's what's crazy. You're like whole new game plan of defense of what you watched on film. Easiest defense, I gotta say, I gotta say, it's Duke because I mean we, we, we average, we average maybe thirty a game on there. thirty a game. Man. Even when we lost, we were average thirty, you know. Um, so the hardest, I say, for Gene taking out. I'm ha- have, ha- hate to say this, but that. Them Wolfpacks too. That that team up the road, they got a good defense. They have a good defense also with the D line they have and the linebackers. They, they were tough guys. Bradley Chubb, they were some tough guys, man, playing against and what best D line guys that I played played against in a long time. So I would say V Tech is state, but the easiest would be Duke.
0: You were in a quarterback battle against Mitch Trubisky, like Sam Howell was with Jace Ruder. Mm-hmm. As the starter, is that tough to go out there and play freely and confidently knowing you could be one mistake away from being benched? And how did you kind of manage that?
1: Oh, man, it's not tough. It's You don't want to put too much pressure on yourself. Because the pressure right now is you're a quarterback and you're a starting quarterback. That's the pressure. I think it's when you put too much in the basket and think, okay, man, I can't go out and turn the ball over or... Somebody's coming in behind me, I'm going to get benched. When you think like that, that's what's going to happen, you know. And you just got to go out and play freely. You can't go out there playing thinking like, man, I can't make no mistakes. Because you're going to make mistakes. There's mistakes made in every football game, you know. Some may hurt, some may not hurt. And that's the biggest thing. You can't go in the game thinking, oh, man, if I throw a pick, Jace is coming in. No, it's not. No, you can't go that way. Because, like I say, when you think bad, stuff like stuff, like bad stuff happens.
0: Sam Howell was named the starter just two weeks before the game against South Carolina, and he's getting all the reps with the first team, but they're still splitting reps pretty evenly with the first and second team with Jace Reuter. When you were rotating with Mitch on the first team before you started getting all the first team reps, did you find it was tougher to build a connection with the receivers and kind of be a leader on the entire offense?
1: Um, My – me – it was not bad at all, but I don't – I can't speak of anybody else because a lot of guys these days don't know how to, to like, handle that situation. You know, I always hounded that – I put that situation in God's hand and I was always fine. Um, There wasn't a time to say, oh, I wasn't – I can't get in the groove. Um, Like I say, if I got my chance, I was going to make the best of that chance. You know, I couldn't be one to say, man, I can't get in the groove because Mitch is coming in the game because regardless – Mitch is coming in the game. So the time I have to play, I'm going to make the best of that opportunity. And the time you get, you just got to make the best of that opportunity. You can't worry about when this guy are coming in or whatever. You just got to play until they're taking you out the game.
0: Howell grew up playing high school football in Monroe. Like you mentioned, just 30 minutes from Bank of America. How did being from the Charlotte area add to when you played South Carolina in
1: 2015? Oh man, it was, it was like coming coming back home. It's like a, it's like man. How can I say? It, it was like coming back for like a family reunion. I'm pretty sure this guy's gonna have maybe 15 plus, 15 to 30 people coming to get tickets. He's gonna have a, a handful of family members there cheering them on. And
0: should he have the tickets sorted out by now?
1: Yeah, yeah. You definitely got to. You definitely, <laughs> he definitely should have been asking guys. Hey, I'm gonna need your tickets. If you can, I get some of your tickets. Can I get some of your tickets? No, of course he's definitely gonna need that. Cause I mean, like I said, his family is looking like man, my baby starting, our cousin or whatever starting this first game versus South Carolina. They're looking at it as man. He got to come out and have some fun, play this game, and they're they're gonna be cheering him on. And I think, like I say, man, it's just coming back home. It's something different. It's like when we played in the Belt Bowl. And we went and practiced at Malakree. It was like, wow, I'm back home. It's like I'm coming back home. It's like I'm coming back home, and that's what I'm. I know he's thinking, like, hey, I'm coming back home. He's coming back home. He's coming to play in front of his fans and his family, and he's he's gonna be ready. He's gonna be ready.
0: The coaches have mentioned that how now that Sam Howell has been the, been named the starter, they now want him to step up as more of a leader for this team. So how did you do that at UNC when you were the quarterback?
1: Oh, man, I just got the guys to believe in me. Uh, made plays. Um, I always – I just stayed consistent with my behavior. If things wasn't going right, you will always still see me smile. If things are going right, I'm going to still smile. And I just kept, kept that consistent every day. Every day there was always a smile. Even if I didn't want to get up that day or if I'm having a hard day or just like when my uncle passed during the season, I still kept a, a level-headed. And I made those guys leave me because I was going to make plays and I was, sometimes I was going to make mistakes. But I made those guys know that, hey, I got y'all back. If it's four for one and it's me and a linebacker, you know you're going to choose me because I'm going to leave it all out on the line. And that was my biggest thing, leaving everything out on the line when I suit up for those guys so that they will believe in me. And when people thought, when people was writing me off, I still came back fighting, 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 fighting. And that's what I think gained trust from those those guys that played in front of me.
0: Final question from Sean Osmond from Inside Carolina. He says, would you ever want to become a college coach and be a graduate assistant for UNC?
1: Oh, man, he must know what my plan of the future. <laughs> oh, man, I actually will be coming back. As soon as football ends for me, when I hang my cleats up, I will be actually coming back to coach at UNC um, if that's grad assistant or any way I can to get back home. And that's my goal is to come back and coach at UNC. Um, I know a lot of guys have been offering me to come G8 at at their college, and, you know, I've just been turning it down because I wouldn't feel right leaving my alma mater, and I'm going to come back home. As soon as I hang these cleats up, I'll be back, and hopefully I can be coaching there one day
0: one thing that stuck to stuck out from me when I would talk to Coach Fedora about coaching is he would say, as a coach, you influence more people in one year than most do in a lifetime. And I yep. honestly couldn't think of somebody better to be a coach than somebody with you, with your experience, your personality, your abilities. Mm-hmm. And uh, if I had a son... I would I will let you coach him as a quarterback.
1: I appreciate that, Bip. <laughs> but, Quis,
0: it's been a great time talking with you. I gotta go pick up Madden now, so we can start playing Madden on PlayStation and uh, oh, yeah. keep up more.
1: Anytime you want, anytime you want to get beat, just let me know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> will do, man. Thanks for talking with me today.
1: All right, buddy. I'll see you.
0: Now, I thought that was a great interview with Marquise Williams. I had to start strong, somebody I knew who could, you know, absolutely hit a home run for me first show. So I'm going to try to have a player guest on every, every episode. I'm going to try to answer questions from fans every episode. So these were some of the questions I got on Twitter. And you could tweet at me any questions you want at TV for next week's show. This question comes from Mikey Pizza at Soul Fooder on Twitter. He says Carolina was 2 and 10 versus non-ACC Power 5 teams and Notre Dame under coach Fedora only beating Illinois twice. What can Mack Brown do differently to win big games and make UNC nationally competitive? That's a great question. <laughs> that's a that's that just that's not a pretty stat. Two and ten versus non-ACC Power Five teams and Notre Dame. But for Mac Brown, what does what do I think he has to do differently? I think the development from players, especially on the defensive side of the ball, has to be better. And may, and you know if you have a competitive defense, that will make UNC more competitive in games because a lot of the besides the past two years for Carolina, they've never really had too much problems, you know, finding guys on offense and just moving the ball up and down. It's the problems in the past have been from a lack of great defense. And I think in 2015, even though, even though we were 0 and 2 against non-ACC Power 5 teams with the loss against South Carolina to start the year and a loss to Baylor in the bowl game. I think that team was the most competitive from a national perspective because we had the depth. We had the star playmakers. We had a great quarterback. Um, There weren't too many spots that you could pick apart. And I think the past couple of years, Carolina has had spots that teams can target and pick apart namely you know the quarterback position um namely the second the second cornerback or or the linebacker position where i think for carolina they have great players sprinkled throughout their teams the past 2 years but they've just had such glaring weaknesses and you know you're only as strong as your weakest link and great teams like these non ACC power five teams every everybody at that level is a great coach and those great coaches are going to be able to exploit your weaknesses you know 10 times what non-power five teams could do and i think for carolina to be great they just need better talent consistently across the board more depth especially on defense i think i think jay bateman is going to be the guy who who gets carolina's defense figured out chris Tandy at Chris Tandy 23 on Twitter. Yes, a question in three parts. Can you talk about your thoughts on the wide receiver core for this year? I like the potential of this UNC team at receiver. I think the biggest key for them is Deami Brown. I think he's the biggest X factor for this offense. For this offense to get back to the national level, they need a number 1 receiver. And looking at all the guys they have, I think Deami Brown has the best skill set to translate into being that future NFL, that future number one receiver. I think Daz Newsome is a great player. He's a guy who you just try to get him the ball and let him do the rest. I think he has to work on the drops. I think that's been the the main focus for this receiving unit as a whole. Mac Brown has stressed they they've got to cut down on the drops. They've got to cut down on the drops. And as a receiver. That's your main job. Just just catch the ball. And I think a guy like Daz Newsom, we saw we saw him take good steps forward last year, but now it's just becoming more consistent. Uh the one instance I'm thinking back to is the Virginia Tech game. He beats everybody. Cade Fortin drops a, a beautiful deep pass to him and it slips through his hands. And, you know, Carolina, they can't leave points off the board. They're they're not that good of a team yet to where they can have mistakes like that and still expect to win games. Chris Tandy, the second part of his question, it was the upsides and downsides to the offensive side of the ball. Um, I'll say the upside and downside at the same time is the youth. I think there's a lot of people to be excited about. Sam Howell, um, Javante Williams, Jordan Tucker on the offensive line, Anton Green at receiver, um, Ed Montalas is a guy who's who's come on pretty strong. Marcus McKeithen has come on strong during this training camp. But at the same time, all those guys, they don't have experience. You've never seen them really in action playing ACC level teams or playing Power 5 level teams. And so I would say that's a big a big downside as well, just not knowing what you're going to get from these guys when when you're going live bullets and and the games start mattering and they start keeping score and you're lining up against somebody with a different color Jersey. Um, I think the inexperience of the offensive line could be a big downside. And I think one of the positives for them is they're going against a great defensive line every day in practice and every day during training camp, going against guys like Aaron Crawford and Jason Strobridge, who I would put, Toe to toe with almost any defensive line in the country. And then the third part of his question was How well do you see Sam Howell leading the offense? From all reports, you know, I think the staff is fairly confident in Sam Howell's ability. I think that's why they were so ready to name him the starting quarterback because they want to see him gain that experience. And I, I think expectations, I think Sam Howell's expectations for himself and from the fan base are extremely high. I mean, you had Phil Steele on this summer comparing him to Baker Mayfield and not saying he's going to be Baker Mayfield year one, but just that their playing styles are similar. So, you know, comparing him to a Heisman trophy winner right out of the gate, that's a lot to expect from a true freshman. So, I think. It's it's kind of subjective, you know, how well do you think Sam Howell will lead the offense? Um, I think he will be the starter throughout the year. I think he's the coach's choice going forward. They, they see him as the guy, you know, to be a, a three-year starter, a four-year starter, being a guy that they can build this offense around. Logan Bolton asked... What are your expectations for us in game one against South Carolina? Would you like to see us just be able to contend or are you expecting UNC to win? I think South Carolina is clearly the better team and line from Vegas currently favoring the Gamecocks by eight points. It clearly reflects that. To me, the game will come down to how dominant South Carolina's defensive line can be going against a young, inexperienced line for the Tar Heels, along with a young, inexperienced quarterback. Charlie Heck, he's an all-ACC caliber tackle. And I like Nick Polino as a player, but then you're asking him to move from his natural position at guard to center because of how uneasy and shaky the rest of the line is. You have Jordan Tucker at tackle and then Ed Montelis and Marcus McKeithen at guard to those three. They have great size, but they have limited or no playing experience at this level, which which is a huge red flag going up against an SEC defensive line like South Carolina. Like the best part about South Carolina's defense is that defensive line. And that's not what you want to see week one with. Three guys who have basically never played D1 football, and then one guy in that line who's not even playing his natural position. While Jake Bentley for South Carolina, he isn't the best of quarterbacks, but you can't dismiss the fact he's in his fourth year as a starter. I think South Carolina knows who they are, while North Carolina will be trying to establish and find their own identity and who they're going to be this season. So from a fan's perspective, I wouldn't be as expecting a win, but I'd hope to just see a team come together and take the steps towards being one that can contend in the coastal. And Shaq Rashad asked me for my score prediction, so I'll say I'll say thirty to fourteen, South Carolina. Coach Carter at Joshua CL, he said, predictions on how many times we'll see the turnover chain or touchdown rings against Miami. I think a lot could change in a week for North Carolina, um, especially once I watch you know how they play against South Carolina. But right now, um, I would say the turnover chain is – is going to be coming out a couple times. I think just the inexperience at quarterback. Um, I know Ross loves to call Sam Howell gunslinger. That Brett Farr, Baker Mayfield type mentality where he's gonna he's gonna try to squeeze the ball in a couple windows that might not be there. And Miami and Coach Diaz, they they have a top fifteen type defense where if they see an experience, they're gonna make you pay for it and they're gonna be in the right spot and force a couple turnovers and turns out turns into uh the turnover chain coming out and the touchdown rings coming out. And when Miami gets that swagger going, coming off a loss, coming off a game, Florida was basically handing Miami that game, telling them, you know, J- just win this game. And Miami basically just refused. So I think Miami's going to come out hungry. You get the night game type atmosphere. Uh, I would I would have Miami win that game as well. Uh, Kelly Moore at Heal Life Kelly says, how do you think Jay Bateman's defense will be able to contain the run early on compared to last year? I think the biggest thing besides Jay Bateman's scheme is Aaron Crawford coming back. I think without question Aaron Crawford is Carolina's best player and their record from last year doesn't truly reflect what their record would have been had he been in there. He's such a big part of that defense. And I think Aaron Crawford's going to be a guy who offensive coordinators have to game plan for. They have to put more guys on and that's just going to open up the defense for the rest of for the rest of the guys on that line. Um and guys like Jason Strowbridge and Tamon Fox and Alan Cater. So I think Carolina is going to be a lot better on defense than people are expecting. Um, one, because of Jay Bateman and how creative and how innovative his schemes are on defense. And then the addition of Aaron Crawford back is going to be, as long as Aaron Crawford and Jason Strowbridge are healthy, I think that defense has the chance to be really good. Scott Stewart at sstewart919 tweeted, How many touches do you expect each running back to get against South Carolina? Do you expect a lot of two-back sets? I think Javante Williams and Michael Carter, as we saw on the depth chart, have kind of separated themselves as the guys who are going to be the feature backs. So ideally, if you have 40 carries to split up every every game, not including the quarterback, I would say you're hoping for 15 out of Michael Carter, 15 out of Javante Williams, and then 10 out of Antonio Williams where he could be a guy you use inside the 20 along with Javante Williams and using their bigger frames, trying to bully your way into the end zone and just being a more efficient offense inside the red zone, something that Carolina struggled to do last year. But I think it's it's also to the point where if – You get to a game and Javante Williams is just gashing the defense or Michael Carter is just gashing the defense, you are gonna ride the hot hand and it's hard to predict, you know, how many carries they're gonna get, not knowing how many snaps they're gonna get, how fast they're gonna go, how many turnovers they're creating. But I would say if everything's if everything's equal, all their snaps are gonna be kind of similar with Antonio Williams, slightly below the other two. There's Tar on these heels, says, tweets, what kind of impact will Carl Tucker have in the passing game with a freshman quarterback? I think Carl Tucker's role on this offense is about to seriously increase from the past couple of years. Um, I had Carl Tucker as a breakout player last year, and I think, I think that year will come this year. With a freshman quarterback, and Sam Howell's a guy who likes to use the middle of the field, likes to find the seams in, in the defense. I think Carl Tucker will be almost like a crutch for him, especially with how inexperienced some of these wide receivers are. A guy like Carl Tucker can be that sure that that sure-handed um, option for a guy like Sam Howell, and just creating more open lanes for the rest of the receivers to work. I think I think Carl Tucker has all the tools that you're looking for in the tight end. He could block. He could catch. He can make the runs after the catches. So I would say you're going to see a big impact from Carl Tucker this year. I think the most catches he had in one game last year was three. So if I'm Phil Longo, I'm trying to get Carl Tucker. I'm trying to get the ball in Carl Tucker's hands. He creates a lot of mismatches. He's faster than a lot of linebackers. He's bigger than a lot of safeties and nickelbacks that teams could put on him when he splits out wide. So if I had to bet, I'd say you're going to see an increase in Carl Tucker. Austin Williams at Williams Tar Heel on Twitter says, what are your your realistic expectations going into the Clemson game, including our record, and what can we expect in that game? Okay, we'll close it out with this question. So realistically, going into the Clemson game, with a record, I have a loss to South Carolina, a loss to Miami, a win at Wake Forest, and then a win versus App. In my mind, realistically, that's the best case scenario where you're 2-2 two and two heading into the Clemson game, and at worst, 1-3. and three. I wasn't blown away by Miami against Florida, but... At the same time, you have to consider Florida has a defense worthy of being in the top 10. And I think the Hurricanes do too. So I think Miami is still clearly the better team. We saw that last year. Now Carolina shot themselves in the foot a lot. Michael Carter got out to a hot start. And then turnovers just kind of killed it for the Tarios. So they could be competitive in that game. You get the night game, Mac Brown's first game back in Chapel Hill. I think. There's a chance for Carolina to put an upset. If I had to put a percentage at it, I'd put it maybe around 25%. But just realistically, I would say Miami wins that game. And then Wake Forest is a 50 50 toss up. And then App State at home has to be a win. If you want this program to go where Mack Brown is trying to take it, you can't lose to in state non power five teams like UNC has lost to ECU in the past. I think. That will hurt recruiting too much, um, and show that Carolina really isn't ready to be playing big boy football if they're getting bullied by teams like App State. So, if Carolina is three and one, four and zero, oh, or zero oh and four after those first four games, I would be shocked. Two and two, one and three at worst, I would say. And then for the Clemson game. It's kind of a a, a sad note to end it on. But right now, I'd feel fairly confident saying it's not going to be pretty for UNC. Clemson and Alabama, right now, they're in a class of their own. They're the gold standard in college football. And I would be surprised if Trevor Lawrence and the rest of their starters are playing into the fourth quarter. Phil Steele this summer said he would have UNC anywhere from a 27 to 30-point underdog. And I, I think that number would be kind of right on it. Now Carolina pulls an upset. One of those first two games, maybe a little confidence shifts towards you, but right now I just, I just can't see how they can play Clemson competitively unless, you know, a guy like Trevor Lawrence gets hurt. Okay. So thank you everybody at inside Carolina who listens to this podcast. I would love to hear your thoughts on any feedback, thoughts, comments, criticism, you shoot you could shoot it to me at Twitter at Tvipolis. You can message me on Inside Carolina. You could DM me on Twitter. Um, but hope you all enjoyed and look forward to talking next week. Thanks for listening to another podcast from insidecarolina.com, brought to you by Johnny T-shirt.com. where to go for your next Tar Heel gear
1: purchase.